Welcome to episode 142 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sycomer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players by going to sycomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us in Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Lacey Langford, a financial coach, veteran, and military spouse. She's the founder and CEO of The Military Money Show, a podcast dedicated to the military community with personal finances, and Mill MoneyCon, a national conference and community for financial professionals united by military service. You can find out more about Lacey by checking out her bio on our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Lacey, so glad to be able to have a conversation with you today. I'm really looking forward to having a great conversation about a topic you're passionate about, financial security for the military-affiliated population. But before we get into that, I'd like to give you an opportunity to share a bit about yourself and why this work you're doing is so important to you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I think for me, I grew up in the military. So my father was Army. He was a military police officer. And that lifestyle was the first foothold, I think, into the way I work now. But I also served in the military. I was in the Air Force where I met my husband, who was in the Air Force at the time, but then transferred to the Army. I know it's a, a weird, usually goes the other way. So I understood the life of the military. I was blessed. I grew up where my parents did talk about money, about the importance of spending less than you make and saving. Not that I listened to that advice when I was young and enlisted. I think I went exactly the opposite way, uh, blew a lot of money. But definitely when I was thinking about getting out of the military, looking at what I wanted to do, I wanted to take that knowledge to the next level to understand about financial independence and investing and things like that. And so that is the focus I went after why I was going back to school at active duty and then after the military and then looking at how I was going to build a financial career, I became a military spouse on my spring break. I married my husband. And then I rolled right into the issues that military spouses face with employment. Building my financial career around my husband's infantry career was very difficult. So I started looking at how I can help the community that I love, the military, help them improve their finances and take opportunities to do that around my husband's work, but also serve, again, this family, this community that we both love. So it evolved over time, but it really is rooted in, I come from a big military background and I want to help people improve their financial lives because I've been there. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And you talk about it. My father was in the military. He had served some time with the military police, but I grew up as a veteran. He wasn't in. It sounds like you had grown up as your father was a service member, but you had mentioned something that your family talked about money. Like money is often something that people just don't talk about, right? It's whether it's a pride thing or it's just like a lack thing, or you just, it's something that is considered taboo. And in my experience, a lot of service members come into the military with little or no 
financial education. Families really didn't talk about it. My family certainly didn't have any money to talk about. Really, we were very blue collar, living paycheck to paycheck. And then all of a sudden you have a standard paycheck coming every month and it's more money than you've probably ever seen at one time. And that can be really challenging, especially for young service members you talked about. Yes, it really is. Because often service members, they're young. Maybe they don't obviously have as much life experience, but they're often the highest income earner for not only their family, but their extended family in many cases. And so there's a lot of responsibility on them financially, but then you roll into your military career, there's expectations. And if you aren't meeting those expectations, not just money, your physical health, there are going to be repercussions for that. And there's a lot of transition in the military that causes your weekly, your monthly income to be eroded, just little things like you got to get more curtains now because the new house you're in has more windows. Your wife, maybe your husband is not working right now. And so you don't have as much disposable income. So it's all of these little things that I think add up. And as you said, that's sort of the unwanted choices. And then we're just young people making choices that young people tend to make, right? So you said you made it your mission to support the financial stability of the military affiliated population. We don't join the military to get rich. That's not why a lot of people join the military. And if they think that's the case, they're abused of that notion fairly quickly. But as you were just talking about, a lot of service members and veterans do struggle financially, both during their time in the military and after their time in the military. Yes, I think it's something that if you don't pay attention to and make the effort, the problem's not going to go away. It's just going to follow you after you leave the military. I feel like that's why there's a lot of issues with finances and veterans, homelessness. So I think handling it is really important. And you can build wealth and have financial success while you're on active duty. You just have to have a plan and leverage the benefits you have, taking advantage of the fact that maybe that you have a VA loan, maybe that you are receiving your housing allowance and underspending on your budget for rent. In some places like San Diego, that is very difficult. In fact, you're usually overspending. But being aware of your budget and spending less than you make, that's really the root of it all. I think sometimes people want to overcomplicate it or think it needs to be overcomplicated, but it doesn't. It really, the root of financial success is spending less than you make and saving and investing that money for your future self. Because right now in your earning years, you're really truly earning money for two people, for yourself and your 80-year-old self. And if you are not spending less than you make and putting it away, you're not going to have quality of life for your 80-year-old self. And so it's being mindful of your future self to say, what do I want life to look like then? And the things that I can do now to make that happen, I think is really important. And and having these conversations, if you're married, if you're single and being honest, like, hey, I don't have the budget to go to the club every single weekend or go to a bar every single weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon. It's like once a weekend or once a month or something like that. So being honest with what your budget is and having goals for your money. I think when you're younger, you're not setting those goals. I know I didn't. Other people might have, but I didn't set financial goals to say, hey, when I come off of active duty, I want to have $30,000 saved. So I have time to transition smoothly and know what my path is going to be moving forward. Or, hey, I want to have a degree. I want to have this type of job. So I think setting goals when you're young is really important to have that financial success, whether you stay in for four years or whether you stay in for 20 years. 
I hear you and I'm at the age, right? You know, I'm approaching 50. And so, yes, I am thinking about what we're doing, how we're supporting that. But that wasn't my mindset when I was 25. I think in the military, we live our lives in sort of two to three year increments. Like what is this duty station? Maybe what the next duty station is. But we're definitely not thinking 15 years down the road. And you even hear it with career officers that they never consider what life after the military is going to be because the military is such an all-encompassing lifestyle. How do you think that message of you've got to think of your 80-year-old self when you're a 20-year-old in the motor pool, how does that resonate, do you think? I think the more conversations people have about money, the more it resonates and their mind wraps around it because then they use frame of reference. They've seen their parents or their grandparents that maybe grandparents, especially if you're a young service member that have not saved and now are elderly and maybe depending on family financially to help them or don't have the level of care they need because they didn't financially prepare. So I think when you have these conversations and then giving them frame of reference to say, like, you may not be 80 right now, but you can see what this might look like in the future based off of things that are around you. But I think also to being practical about it, that you can't spend every dime you make, but you have to prepare not only for emergencies because life is going to come up. It's not a question of when, like problems, it's if, it's how much and when it's going to happen. So I think that's really important to remember, but also the opportunities come. So it's not just problems in your life. There may be something that's a once in a lifetime opportunity, like a trip or a program that you want to take or a mission trip, whatever it is that you see as opportunity. If you're maxed out financially, you're not able to pursue that opportunity or on the other side, handle that emergency with less stress and with a quickness instead of it being long and drawn out and painful. So I think as a 20-year-old or 19, 18-year-old service member, I think they do see those things. They have seen problems with their families and would like to avoid them. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to learn some lessons the hard way. I did myself. Again, my parents talk to me all the time about money, but some of those lessons, it doesn't hurt you as hard if you haven't gone through it. My parents like, oh, it's stressful if you don't have enough money to pay your bills. Like You should prepare for those things. So I think it's a combination of all of those things that are now, it, it is resonating with service members not to mention all of the resources that they're receiving on active duty to help them with their finances and their spouses. So I think there is a lot more money conversations now happening in the military than there used to be. No, I, I really appreciate that. And at the same time, I recall as a young E5 living in the barracks, I actually had a squad leader who, who took a look at my high interest vehicle loan and my high insurance and said, you're paying twice as much for both of these than you should be. And let's have a conversation around that. Like in, in that, in turn, obviously that's something that we as leaders in the military try to expand. But those are the kind of questions that young service members need to, to hear. And a lot of that is really educating leaders, educating individuals on the way that you were spending money right now doesn't have to be the way that you're spending money. I think you're right. Like it doesn't have to always be this. It's not forever. It's for right now. Whether you're making some mistakes or you're doing sucking it up, saving money to reach a goal. So I think that's keeping things in perspective of where you're at. I think having conversations with leaders is great. I do think it's important for leaders to make sure that they have the correct information because a lot of times what maybe was normal for them coming up is not maybe a healthy way to manage finances. So I think having those conversations and being honest when you don't have the answer to refer to say, you know what, like 
I actually need to learn a little bit more about getting car loans. Why don't we have somebody come to the unit or why don't we go to financial readiness to have that conversation with somebody so we can learn? But I think same thing with mental health. It's not as taboo as it used to be. People are having these conversations like, you know what? I extended myself too far. We thought my wife was going to be working by now and the job that she was going to get fell through. So now we're having trouble with our car payment because we were dependent on that money to make that car payment. And that's understandable. So having, I always say like, if your house is on fire, you don't want the firemen to lecture you on your fire safety plan and your smoke detectors while your house is on fire. Could you please put out my house fire and then let's talk about how I can do better in the future. So I think that's really important where you're at meeting somebody to say, okay, this is what's going on. We we need help. You got to get the car paid, that type of thing. Then let's talk about how we can adjust your budget So if your spouse is not working, you're still able to meet all your financial obligations. So I think those type of conversations are being had, but still probably need to be had more. Yeah, I appreciate how you brought up the, and you brought it up a couple of times. Sometimes the single income military household is a, a big barrier to this. You're talking about building financial stability and personal wealth. And we've talked about it on the show before. While there is food insecurity in the military and veteran population, and and as you were again mentioning, young military families having children. So we is 19, 20, 25 year olds having multiple children. So there's definitely some challenges that that many people they're looking at their own individual experience right now, saying, I barely have enough money to put gas in the tank. How can I get from there to starting to invest? I think it's getting a firm understanding of what's coming in and what's going out. And if not enough is coming in, then you need to make more, which is a struggle for military spouses. The other part is like that I need to spend less because in addition to that, you're right, it is very common for an 18 year old service member to have two or three children, which puts a strain on their budget, providing for three children and a spouse on an E2 pay or whatever it is. But on the other part, it's okay, can you afford a brand new Honda Odyssey? So there is balance and not to say that you shouldn't have a good vehicle to take your family to and from, that type of thing. But it's finding this balance to be like, okay, right now we might have to get a used vehicle versus a brand new vehicle. So I think having those realistic expectations of your budget is really important. And oftentimes the military spouse is not working. And that might be because they choose not to work because they are taking care of children. It might be they're in a location where there isn't employment opportunity or childcare is more expensive than it is paying for that than it is to go to work. So there's a lot of trade-offs that are being made. And so I think that's why it's really important to look at your individual situation and not to base a financial decision off what somebody else is doing because they don't have your budget. They don't have your responsibilities. You also might be having to pay for your cell phone for your mother-in-law or your mother, your aunts or something like that. And so looking at what you have coming in and then what are the basic things that you need to cover, I think is really important. And then setting the goals. What do we want? Do we want to have an emergency fund with $3,000 in it? Then that is what our short-term goal is. We're going to work to get $3,000 in a savings account so that we're able to pay for expenses and opportunities that pop up. But also then that gives us a little bit of wiggle room to now, okay, do we want the military spouse to work? Do we want her or him to work from home? Are we getting ready to PCS? 
and needs some wiggle room. And then talking with financial professionals. There are free financial counselors on most military installations. If not, they're available through Military OneSource. The VA and the Association of Military Banks now has a program, the Veterans Benefit Banking Program, that's providing free financial counselors to veterans. And so getting a neutral third party to help you plan your budget and and set financial goals and really help you create the steps to make those goals a reality. You should leverage all of the free resources and the benefits that you receive as a service member or a veteran to help you get where you want to be. They're available to you. You should take them for free. So I think it's really possible. It's just laying out all of your situation and then making informed decisions and an action plan of how you're going to get there. And then when you get there, What's the next plan? I think one of the things that as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm really encouraged that you're turning around and helping those you serve, right? You were a military family member, you're a military spouse, you're a, a veteran yourself in that for you, this is very much taking care of your brothers and sisters in service, right? This is really a part of, you could easily be a financial expert for some large investment firm or, or something like that, but this is really the you're speaking from your own experience, but also from your passion from serving others. Yes, I definitely am passionate about it because I've been there. Even though I had financial knowledge, I wasn't really great with money when I was young and enlisted. So if anybody should have been successful, it should have been me. I did take advantage of like savings bond because my dad insisted. So I do have a little bit of money from when I was on active duty, but I understand what that's like. You have a very serious job. You're young and you want to be young and go out and do things. But then you might be called away to do something and you've been gone from family and friends for a long time. You come back, you do want to cut loose, spend a little bit of money, have some fun. And so I think it's really important to balance living a life, having quality of life, having a lot of responsibility as a young service member, but also to be planning for the future. I feel like that was a failure that I had. I should have been planning from day one my exit strategy from the military. I think everybody should. The day you sign up is a day you should be thinking about getting out because it's going to happen. And whether you, again, serve four years or 20 years, what's your plan? What are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to be after the military? Is that you know, a whole new career? Is that being able to follow a passion and maybe volunteer or start a nonprofit? And so for me, I also want to prepare people for that. It's the steady paycheck. If you want to keep it, you got to plan for how you're going to keep a steady paycheck after you get out of the military, whether you're 21 or you're 23 or 45. What is that going to look like? So I think I do really want to help the community and and make it approachable. And when I tried to help the civilian population, it didn't resonate as well with me and the directness and the practicality of being a service member. It'd be like, hey, these are just jargons about finance. This is the basics. This is what you need to know. And then this is the next level. And I think approaching it that way, I do want to help the community understand things and and set themselves up for success before they get out of the military. No, I like that, that if I only, if I did what I knew what I should have done then right now would be so much easier. You're absolutely right. I don't think I decided to be what I wanted to be when I grew up until I was 15 years in the military. And it was, it, it took that long. So you do, you have done a lot for those who serve. You have your own podcast, the Military Money Show, and you're the founder of a national conference focused on bringing together military and financial professionals, Mill MoneyCon. What can you tell us about your efforts to support those who serve through these different initiatives? With the show, I 
started out as a financial coach and a financial counselor helping the military community and I needed to build my career. And so that I had a financial coaching business, but the podcast was a way to help more people. I was limited by the one-on-one interactions. And I thought if I start a podcast, I can you know, teach these lessons to a lot more people. I could also interview people and have these discussions about money so people see that it's approachable, that people make mistakes or simple steps, those type of things. So that was really important to me. And then as things grew with my podcast and being more known in the community, I started to realize I wasn't the only one that struggled with becoming a financial professional as a veteran or a military spouse. Again, very difficult to build a traditional financial career around my husband's infantry career. And that's actually what ultimately drove me to entrepreneurship was I was very frustrated. I wanted to have control of my earning power. And so one day I just got really mad. I was like, you know, I'm gonna start my own business that's PCS proof. I'll take it with me wherever I go. And I have control over our earning ability. And then the conference came about because again, like I started to see people were struggling with these same things. And then not realizing that there's resources out there. I would interview a lot of people to say that, hey, I'm starting this thing because nobody else is doing it. I'm like, actually, there are a couple other people doing it and you guys should get together or people that had really important information to share, but no platform or microphone to share it on. So the conference was all about getting people connected, getting mentorship, helping them find resources, helping them share resources. I think their earning ability, a lot of financial professionals, especially as military spouses, cannot work traditional work hours, not even part-time hours. Many of them can only work preschool hours, maybe for a year. And then another year they can work when their spouse is home. They have the ability to work part-time or full-time. And connecting really qualified and high performers in the financial space with companies that are willing to work around military life and then help foster relationships for active duty that want to become a financial professional right after they leave military service and being able to connect them with jobs and mentorship to be able to do that and make the transition even smoother and having a community of people that have been through that themselves in this specific space is really the reason why I did the conference. Yeah, I I think that's amazing. Obviously, as you were talking about, what do we do after the military? What And I actually had another guest who said he never considered what was beyond beyond. Like he thought, okay, I know what I'm doing for the next 10 or 12 years of my military career. I know what's beyond my current situation, but I don't think about what's beyond beyond. And like you said, for a lot of financial professionals, even if you were financing the military, that doesn't translate. But if you actually want to be someone in wealth management or financial services, you might feel like you're 10, 12, maybe even 20 years, you feel like you're having a late start compared to some of your peers in the industry. Oh, absolutely. And it's difficult no matter, I think if you serve four years or you serve 20 years, it's a transition. It's not just a transition for you. It's a transition for your entire family. If you're single, it might be one thing, but if you're married and have children, everybody's identity is shifting. You're no longer a military spouse. You're no longer a military child, or you might feel that way. I, th- I feel like, you know, it's kind of like a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Once a military spouse, once a military kid, always. But I think starting to get used to terminology, starting to get connected into your community is really important. Understanding the playing field is so important. And you can do that while you're on active duty. You can get yourself completely sped up. So the day you walk out the door, you know what's what and where you need to be, how much you need to be making, who you need to call on, who you need mentorship from. 
those type of things. You could do all of that while you're on active duty. And that's really what I want for people is to say like, hey, I want to do something with money. I want to do something with finance. Was that a financial counselor? Or do you want to work in corporate finance? Do you want to work for Amazon doing finance? Do you want to work for a nonprofit? Do you want to work in financial tech as a financial coach? So really understanding the playing field, all the positions you can play, how much you can make in that position. What does a daily life look like for that position? Because if you think somebody's job description or the way they just Drive their day sounds soul sucking. That's not the way that you should go. You should think that sounds like a horrible day. I might want to look at a diff, maybe being a financial coach versus a financial advisor or vice versa. So it's really getting connected and learning before you get out. So that way you are already up and running, not trying to catch up or tread water. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. I think that we could definitely speak for much, much longer on this. If people wanted to find out more, about what you're doing, connect to the podcast, maybe the conference. How can they do that? Yes. So you can find the podcast, Military Money Show, anywhere podcasts are found. I have a website that's a hub of everything, LaceyLangford.com, under the Military Money Expert brand. And then also the conference, you can find that at MillMoneyCon.com. It has information about who the conference is for, where it's at, how it operates, so people know what to expect. That's great. We'll make sure to link to all of those are in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. Lots of great information in this episode, and I really appreciate Lacey sharing her passion and expertise with us. I think one of the things that really resonated with me from our conversation was her point about needing to plan for your future self, not just the near future, but the long-term future. While that makes a lot of sense, it may be difficult to put into practice, either through a lack of experience or a lack of knowledge on the need to do it. I was recently talking to my sister, who's not in the military, about this exact thing, long-term goals, not only related to finances, but also long-term career goals. She's about six years older than me, and she said, these conversations are so weird. Nobody talked like this when we were growing up. These are like rich people conversations. And she was right. These weren't conversations that we had growing up. And even when I was in the military, like my example of my squad leader helping me out, that was an immediate impact financial conversation. But we did not have the conversation about considering what life would be like after the military or retiring from the workforce. Maybe along the way, leaders and others around me suggested that I start investing. And I suggested it to my soldiers when I was a leader. But I didn't know anything more about it than they did. So it was more of, I heard this is a good thing for you to do and you should do it, but I don't have any advice on how to do it because I don't know how to do it myself. I think Lacey's example of framing the lesson in the experience of those around you is a good one. And perhaps that point resonated with you as well. The other thing that I'd like to bring up is something that I realized that during the conversation, I set up the idea of how do you go from being a young service member who's living paycheck to paycheck to someone who has financial independence in their 80s. I should have known better than to ask that question, because when you look at it like that, of course it seems impossible. There's no way to get there from here. Lacey very graciously navigated that part of the conversation to say something like, you don't make the journey a single step. It's a lot of steps to get to that place and being deliberate about those steps. It's not about going from overdraft fees to financial independence. It's about going from overdraft fees to no overdraft fees, then from living paycheck to paycheck to building an emergency fund. 
then to start investing in a small way and in a bigger way, and then playing the long-term financial game. There is a way to get from no money to financial independence, but just like everything else in life, there are no shortcuts and no immediate turnarounds. It takes time and it takes effort, and I'm glad that Lacey shared her expertise with us. So I hope you appreciated this conversation with Lacey, and all of the links to the resources that she mentioned, like her podcast and the conference, will be in the show notes. If you appreciated this conversation as well, we would appreciate hearing from you. So if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice, or send us an email at info at We're always glad to hear from listeners both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share a course from a PsychArmor partner, Prudential, on budgeting, debt management, and investing. This course provides steps to help you budget accordingly and manage debt as you progress towards financial wellness. You can find a link to the resource in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app, as well as on the PsychArmor website, psychummer.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with Psychummer on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Much appreciation to the team at PsychArmor that makes the show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator. Support and transcripts by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.